I think I hit the, the wrong intro button, but guess what? It still works, man. It still works. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to Fit. Or what show am I on? To Player profiler Pixel. today. Yeah, yeah. I hit the wrong intro button. My bad, everybody. I, I hope that that didn't deter you away from joining us in the big tilt for some DFS. Jack's a good guy, so hopefully, you know, <laughs> the fact of, of him being on the intro screen did anything, not anything, people will just be disappointed to be stuck with us. Yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be the case. Jack, you got big shoes to fill, man. Or... We got big shoes to fill, I guess, in the show. So anyways, welcome on into The Big Tilt. Jacob, man, it has been a, a stressful, stressful past 24 hours. I, I don't know about you, man, like trying to, to get in all of these best ball entries, trying to figure out what's happening with DFS, trying to figure out this whole playoff scenario. It's just been full. It's been full of activity. It's been full of fun times. So talk to me, Jacob. Talk to me. How has everything kind of lined up with you in terms of of what's going on with your playoff push in fantasy man it's been wild i mean i'm honestly i'm so tired um just based off of you know the way that the season always ends up where the end of the season hits like at the same time as exams hits at the same time as christmas and, and i'm always just like all right you know let, let like the leftover meats just take me wherever they want to go uh and then i have to get rejuvenated to come in and talk about the grossest dfs week of the entire year but it's fun. It's, it's almost like during the fantasy playoffs, I find it so hard to focus on DFS, honestly, because I have so many other things going on that I'm stressed about. And then once that's all washed away now, all we have left really for the rest of the season is DFS and the playoff best ball contests. So this is fun. You know, I'm excited to dive back into it. I'm feeling rejuvenated. I'm feeling fresh. I'm feeling ready to win a million dollars. Let's let's do this today. Let's rock and roll. Dude, it's, it's going to be a fun slate because... You know, as you put it, you want to you want to give a U-Haul type rain raining towards like the games <laughs> yeah. you want to play. But I mean, it's gross. Like I'm going to run through it really quick and then I'm going to let you kind of, you know, grade some of these outlooks and then we'll actually get yeah. into the, the DFS formats. But like we have a, the Chargers, right? Well, the Bucks and Giants are going to be sitting there, their players for the most part. Yeah, that's a full. Yeah, that's like so that, that's so, a full vacation. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we don't want to go out and make maybe end up playing you know the giants backup quarterback tyrod taylor that that's kind of interesting but we'll go back to that here in a little bit uh, the chargers will sit there guys if the Bengals beat the ravens they've already came out and said that they're going to play it by ear and see exactly what happens with that right. um meanwhile lamar jackson still doesn't practice this week so i honestly don't think the ravens really have a chance in this matchup i expect the chargers to sit their starters at least halfway through the game if not the entire game um the vikings won't rest their players quote unquote but they faced the Bears without fields. So, like, they're going to end up... everyone on their defense. Like, did you see the Bears ruled out basically... I'm not sure the Bears have a secondary to begin with, but to the extent that they do, they've ruled them all out. It's it's almost embarrassing to be on the Bears' defense. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. <laughs> God, yes. I love it. I love it. Um, the Bears and the Texans are, are doing everything in their power to secure the 101. That's literally like everything that's happening right now. And so the Vikings starters will be sitting like there's no way they're going to go into the fourth quarter with Justin Jefferson, you know, playing like, I mean, I know that he wants to break the record. I know Kirk Cousins is going to give him a chance to break the record. So Justin Jefferson is somewhat interesting, but outside of that, nothing. Um, he might do it in a half to be fair. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He could end up doing it in half. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. kind of interested. I'm not like all in, but I'm okay. I'm like, all right, let's see what happens. Meanwhile, uh, the bills, could end up benching their starters if the Chiefs win on Saturday, 
right? Yeah. It would end up allowing the Patriots in, so I can understand why the Bills wouldn't want that to happen, but they're not going to risk their playoff hopes if the Chiefs end up winning. I didn't get, I didn't get the... I mean, I don't think the Bills will see it this way necessarily. If I'm the Bills and the Patriots win, I'm I'm doing everything in my power to let the Patriots in. Or sorry, if yeah. the Chiefs win is what I meant to say. Like, I would way rather face the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins, at least pending Tua status, right? If there's a potential that you're getting... The Tua Tagovailoa-led Dolphins, I mean, I'd obviously pick the Bills in that game, but they're a way more live underdog to me than this, like, shell of a Patriots team that doesn't really threaten anybody down the field. Um, I, I will say the Bills still, at least based off of all the tiebreaker and, and rule changes the NFL put out, I think that they'll play guys regardless because of the neutral site uh, possibility, right? So if they lose that game to the Patriots, then they would be – well, either the two or the three, depending on what Cincinnati does. But if they face Kansas City in the AFC Championship in that scenario, it's in Kansas City. Whereas if Kansas City and Buffalo both win, they would get the neutral site AFC Championship game. So, I mean, I don't know how much they think that's worth playing for. I think that's – Vegas would say it's probably worth about two points. So, you know, that might be worth playing for. Yeah, yeah. And I can understand that 100%. So I'm still trying to to figure out exactly what's happening with that game. But honestly, like, I don't trust the Bills to be playing their starters for the entire game. I think it's going to be pretty evident that they're going to be up and they're going to end up wanting to sit Josh Allen as yeah. soon as they go up by two plus scores, maybe three scores, which I think could easily happen. Meanwhile, San Fran, they're benching their guys for the most part. They're playing Arizona. I know their implications, right? Like if the Eagles lose, there's still a chance they can claim or they can end up clinching yeah. or they do clinch home field advantage. Yeah, but it's it's the Arizona Cardinals. They're going to go up by three touchdowns by halftime. So this is this is where I might disagree from you a little bit is I'm. I'm not that worried about the teams who might pull starters if they get up by a bunch of points. Because if you get up by a bunch of points, then your guys scored all the points to get up by a bunch of points. Right? Uh, like it, so I it could be I 21 to nothing is, by halftime. It could be 21 okay. nothing, they can end up benching their starters. Yeah, but I guess to me, like how different is that than any normal week? Like most most of the time, okay, sure. So most of the time a team gets up by three, four touchdowns in the first half, you know. Maybe you only get a couple more drives in the third quarter. They're usually benched by the fourth quarter anyhow in that big of a blowout. And in the second half possessions they do have, they're probably just running the ball a lot anyway. So, and, and then you still get the three or four touchdown drives that they had to go up by all that much, right? Like, to me, if, if that's the concern, I'm less concerned. I mean, obviously, there's janky stuff that can happen, right? Like Jacksonville, for instance, last week where, you know, there's uh, two backup running backs end up vulturing two of the touchdowns. There's a defensive touchdown. And so really the only guy that got you there was Travis Etienne, who, I mean, Travis Etienne could have easily had like 50 if he had played that entire game and he wasn't something out at the goal line, but he still gets there with 26. Um, but I mean, I still think that there's paths where, yeah, if San Francisco is up 28, nothing and halftime on Arizona, they're probably resting guys in the second half. But if they score 28 points, like, I mean, there's definitely guys that could be in your winning lineup in, in 28 points and a half. There is guys that can be in your winning lineup, but my issue becomes volume, right? Like the receptions, yeah. the, the volume ends up going down. So you're possibly eliminating six to eight points, which could get you across that 20, 25 point threshold of having a league winner. Like Christian McCaffrey, yeah, he can end up coming away with, with two touchdowns, with, with 80 rushing yards and get you that 20. But the price that you're paying isn't going to end up offering as big of a return as some of these other guys could get. So for me, it's it's more of the issue with like the volume aspect mm. of things. Now, granted, if Christian McCaffrey gets me, you know, two touchdowns and 80 yards, I'm still going to want to play him. 
But the yeah. likelihood of that happening, I don't think it's very high. I think they're going to end up mixing in some of their other guys. I think they're going to try and, and get in, you know, or get Kittle out of the lineup as much as possible. Like typically he plays what a 95% snap rate or 90% yeah. snap rate. He'll oh, yeah. see he's before halftime, he'll see a 70% snap rate, you know? So be. same thing with Christian McCaffrey, especially with, I think Elijah Mitchell is going to be healthy this week. So like we could see a little bit less of a continued snap rate and then he doesn't play at all in the second half. So I'm just concerned about that aspect. I don't want to try and chase those, those potential points against, and I know that it could be a complete blowout in this scenario, but it could also leave you completely empty handed. I get it. Now, when we have teams that actually need the win, right. That could remain competitive. And by the way, big shout out to Derek Brown in the chat, man. I, I love having these conversations with you and I see everything that you're saying, oh, uh, awesome. but uh, yeah, yeah. Love it, man. Uh, so we have these other games where I do think that they could remain competitive and you could actually get an entire game out of a player and it could be somewhat higher scoring overall from both sides. And that's going to be like the Rams and the Seahawks, which I think the game, like I said, could be competitive as the Rams try to keep them out of the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Seahawks, they're going to need to score. They're going to need to get touchdowns. And where the Seahawks uh, strengths are the Rams have been struggling as of late to an extent. Meanwhile, the Browns can knock out the Steelers, the Dolphins need a win up against the Jets plus the Patriots loss. So I think the Dolphins will be playing this whole entire time. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the Eagles are, are interesting because the Eagles need to, to win this game. They could be facing backups and it could be a complete blowout. But I do think that the Eagles want to play in the majority of their starters because Hertz has been out for the past couple of weeks. He's gotten his right. rest. So they need to get back on the and, same page and they need to perform at a high end level. And the Eagles are a great example where they played the Giants, what was it, three, four weeks ago? Uh, in a spot where they did play their backups the entire fourth quarter and Miles Sanders and AJ Brown and Devonta Smith and Jalen Hurts all got there. <laughs> so I, I think that they're, they're an example of when they're balling on offense, especially because it's so concentrated. And most of the time, other than when Kenny Gainwell gets in, inside the 10, sometimes most of the time the touchdowns go to where you need them to go. Um, you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to get opportunities. So I like Philly. Yeah. And then we have, let's see, uh, Dallas needs home field advantage. I really love this game, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, and then you have teams that I don't want anything to do with. And I don't want anything to do with the Texans and the Colts. Like you said, the Texans are trying to eliminate all their, their potential to win a game and to try and, and get that first uh, the first overall pick. Meanwhile, the Colts just haven't been good, and I don't trust anybody on that offense. And then Debro actually loves uh, – I see in the chat – Bro, he said he loves New Orleans and I like Carolina. That game too. I, I don't love this game. I like Alave to an extent, and I like Kamara to an extent. I like DJ more, kind of, but I mean, I don't love this game. I don't think it's gonna be very high scoring. I just think they're gonna go out there and mail it in for the most part. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is what half of the field mails it in more, right? Sometimes the defense mails it in, right? Yeah. So, so I think that these games go either way. We've seen some shootouts, and I do like his general point about I think that we overestimate or the lack of care that teams who are out of it will have. Like, and I think you kind of have to go almost on a team by team basis, right? It's like, there's one thing if you're talking about the Texans or the bears who are teams who have like gotten the message from head office that, yeah, we're not winning this game. We can't afford to win this game. A team like new Orleans, Carolina is a different example. New Orleans does not have their first round pick. There is no message coming in from above to call off the dogs and lose. They don't care. They're trying to win. Dennis Allen's trying to keep his job. They're playing a win. Uh, you know, Carolina, even bigger example, Steve Wilkes is coaching for his next year. Yeah. And it seems as though the players have very much bought into him. Sam Darnold is quarterbacking for his NFL future, right? These are guys that are playing to win. Deonta Foreman, Chuba Hubbard, they don't know what their status is going to be next year. These are these guys are all playing for something. 
uh, internally. They're going to be playing hard. They have no incentive to rest, guys. I like those kind of matchups because I think that the market gets a little bit skittish. And, you know, th those teams are going to be playing as motivated really as they've been for most of the season. Maybe Carolina, I, I guess, had higher aspirations uh, as of last week. But New Orleans has essentially been out of this for, for months, and, and they've still been caring. Um, and, yeah, Cleveland's another great example. You know, Kevin Stefanski, uh, he's likely to be back next year. Deshaun Watson's still figuring it out, right? This team has mostly been out of it for the last few weeks. Why would they play less hard now, right? So I, I, I do like it. Yeah, so I'm – I guess I do. We want to go through like your U-Haul rankings, like like games you actually want to play, or do you want to go ahead and, and <laughs> yeah, hop I'm into the show? I'm kind of excited to go hop into the show. Uh, uh, you know, let's let's hop in. Sure, I think we talked through it a little bit, and, and I'm sure we'll come. It'll come up as we go. All right, let's do this. All right, everybody, we are here to talk some DFS. We're here to talk some lineups, and we are excited to help you guys make money for Week 18. Uh, if you guys are following along in the YouTube chat, you will see Derek Brown also <laughs> offering all of his advice and, and helping us work our way through this episode. Unfortunately, he's not able to come on, but you know he, he will still give you advice in the chat if you guys decide to go over there to YouTube.com and check out our, our show over there. But let's go ahead and let's hop into these series of games and, and the matchups that we actually want to target. And the first one for me is going to be the Browns and Steelers because yeah, I, like I really like I think this game is one of the most interesting games on the slate. It's one of the biggest rivalries in sports right now uh, in terms of interdivisional matchups. And the Browns have an opportunity to play spoiler to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers haven't been good up against the running back, but they've also been terrible up against the quarterback. Now, as you look over the past, what, five or six weeks, they've been a lot better, right? They're only allowing like 200 yards a game passing like they look excellent. But when you go and you try to check out the teams that the Steelers have played over the past few weeks where they've, you know, all of a sudden jumped their rankings, like they were allowing 338 yards, 250, 430, 308. And now over the past few games, they've allowed 130, 174, 225, 104, 167, 199. They haven't played any quarterbacks, right? They played the Colts with Matt Ryan, who was in a big time slump. They played uh, Marcus Mariota, which we know the story with that. They played Tyler Hunley and Anthony Brown that week. Sam Darnold, Derek Carr, who once again struggled that week, and Tyler Huntley again. So it's really like, it's just the fact that of the matchups they played as of late haven't been good teams. Now we have Deshaun Watson, who hasn't been good, by the way. He's been absolutely terrible throughout this, this past few weeks. But A lot better last week. He was good last week because he got the touchdowns and because he was able to get the turnovers. I think it could end up being the same exact game script this upcoming week where they just end up shutting down the opportunities in the receiving game. They force turnovers and leave Deshaun Watson with a, an opportunity to score inside of zone 40 on multiple different occasions. I mean, he had what? 180 passing yards, something like that last week. And, and only, yeah, only 18 pass attempts. attempts, only 18 <laughs> pass attempts. I mean, it was a weird game because they were hitting big plays and Carson Wentz was a turnover factory. So, I mean, Deshaun didn't throw a lot of passes. He certainly got there for fantasy because he had the three touchdowns. I think two of them were pretty long touchdowns. Uh, but, but I'm, I think, I, I think that the, the, the Deshaun Watson struggles are a little bit overblown in the sense, I think he was horrible in the first game against the Texans. And then he kind of played okay for a couple of games. And then he got that insane like weather game in which not a single quarterback in the league would have done anything in that game against New Orleans, where it was like minus 25 Celsius with the wind chill or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, he plays reasonably last week, definitely high variance and, you know, only 18 pass attempts, but winds up producing good results. 
I, I don't think they're going to be like a high flying offense or, or anything like that, but I think that they're, they're going to be competent offense and, and they're a, they're a fairly concentrated offense, right? They, Kareem Hunt's essentially been like phased out of the program there. So it's really a Watson, Chubb, Cooper, and Joku, Donovan Peoples-Jones offense. There's, there's not really any other participants. Mm. So I, I like I like it for sure. And uh, Derek's typing up in Joku in the chat. I like him a lot. I mean, he's had a fantastic role all year. And he's had two bad games in a row. One because, again, every possible player in that game would have had a bad game because – Nobody can score points. So I don't even think we should look at that game. And then last week, you know, he ends up with one catch, whatever. That's what happens when there's nine completions. <laughs> Random shit happens. But his, his role has been good. And, and he's at 3,900. I'm only seeing probably about 10% ownership. I, I'm a big fan of him in any in any stacks of this game or just you, – You're taking my entire, my entire matchup right now. You're, you're killing me, Jacob. You're literally taking everything that I'm about to talk about because I love and joke. I took one joke. player. I took one player. Is that, is that it? Is that the only guy you're playing? Yeah. Uh, no, I actually do have another player. Um, you know, his name is Nick Chubb, but no, not if you're playing Deshaun Watson, of course. If you're playing Deshaun Watson, you got to play Njoku over there. I mean, he has seen the opportunities, and although he's only had one good game since Watson has actually returned, uh, the last time they faced each other, he went, what, nine for 89 and a touchdown? I mean, he absolutely destroyed fantasy. I think that was week three, so it was a little bit different, of a different situation. But the defensive backs, the Steelers, I, I believe they have one or two backs or starters that are out it's going to be an interesting situation with Conklin over there, the tackle actually being out because is Sean Watson going to be forced to run more often, or is he going to end up using his safety blankets like in Joku to be able to, to move the ball? I think that's, and we know that Cooper is bad in the cold and bad on the road. Well, he's so good on the road last week, doubled. but he got lucky. He got very lucky last week. Yeah. I like, I mean, you know, DPJ, who also has only had one good game since Watson has actually came into the fold. I think he's actually the play this week because we look at 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 the Steelers and they actually struggle up against bigger, more physical receivers and also receivers that can be get behind the defense. Drake London had a great game against him. Michael Pittman had a great game against him. And then DJ Moore has a little bit more of the speed aspect than the physical aspect, but he was able to, to produce a great game against them. They allow slot receivers to, to get work in. But honestly, like I feel like this is a DPJ uh, DPJ game where we could actually see him with those two touchdowns with with that 80 yards receiving on like five targets, you know, four receptions for 80 yards. This just this has DPJ written all over it with Njoku having opportunities inside the red zone. Yeah, I don't mind DPJ this week. I mean, the Pittsburgh secondary is not very good. What we've seen, you know, you meant you talked about their splits, but what we've also seen is that their defense as a whole and including their past defense has gotten a lot better since TJ Watts return, but TJ Watt does not play in the secondary. So really what that means is their defense as a whole is playing a lot better because they're getting better pressure on the quarterback, right? Their secondary is still has issues. And so DPJ is going to be the guy running a lot of deep routes. I mean, Cooper as well, but DPJ is going to be guys going to have an opportunity to get behind the defense. And even if, you know, they're not being efficient on a play to play, play to play basis. DPJ does not need a lot of targets to get there. So I'm, I'm interested in him and I'm interested in Joku. I'm also interested in Cooper too. I, I'm just joking with the, with the narratives. Obviously last week was chilly and on the road and he absolutely smashed. Um, so I'm maybe we'll be done with the road. narrative. I think he had a great game up against Colts too on the road. So that was another big one, but yeah, I, yeah I'm going to play those Derek's two. Mentioning Pitt being booty against tight ends. I and mean, we all remember the Jelani Woods breakout game. Uh, yep. quickly seen and never heard from again so <laughs> that's certainly been, been a thing yeah yeah it, it's just a lock in play for those three but if i'm not playing deshaun watson i want nick chubb and i want the the browns defense in this one because the browns defense has been able to put pressure on the quarterback has been able to, to rack up sacks turnovers everything like that so i do see also a nick chubb 
with Cleveland defense stack if you don't want to play Deshaun Watson. Meanwhile, on the other side, there's only one real play that I love, which, by the way, I still cannot believe. I cannot believe Deontay Johnson has not scored a touchdown yet this season. It is so absurd. This is the week. Is this going to be the week where he keeps himself from getting goose egged on touchdowns in, in 2022? It's pretty wild. Like, is I've, it, I li- we literally have never seen anything like this. Like, yet he now has the most targets in a season without a touchdown um, of, of all time. It's pretty crazy. His usage continues to be totally fine. Um, so, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely excited. And and Jamie, you are you are dead wrong. No, it was nine he for eighty nine and a touchdown. He said Joku didn't do crap against Pitt. He, he did a lot of crap. That was his first big game of the season. I think it was his best or his second best game of the whole year. So. Yep. So. Anyways, uh, back to it. I do want to play. I know it's going to be chalk. I get it. I get it. It's going to be chalk, right? It's going to see 15 to 25%, somewhere in that range. Uh, uh, Najee Harris. Najee Harris has actually been involved in the past three weeks in the receiving game. You know, we're seeing little glimpses of 2021, just just small glimpses. But Mitchell Trubisky has started checking down to his running back a little bit more often. And and so I'm going that route. I'm not going to play. Pat Fryermuth, I know he's going to be chalk. I'd rather play Joku over Pat Fryermuth than play this game. Uh, I could see a world where you play Pat Fryermuth up against Nick Chubb in the Cleveland defense, but outside of that, like I really don't want to play any Fryermuth uh, this week. But I will play Najee Harris. He he's just he's he's giving me good vibes, which I think is the first time I've ever said that about Najee Harris. Everything lines up from the ability to run on the Cleveland Browns, from the inability yeah. to pass to the Cleveland Browns absolutely sucking up against pass catching running backs. It just seems like this could be that game where he has 15 targets and and takes 12 of them for 120 yards. Yeah, he's a good play. If I'm stacking this game, like either in even if it's just a one and one, uh, I'm fine playing Najee. I probably won't play him alone just because of the ownership that he'll carry. But he's a really strong play. All right, let's go ahead and hop on to your first game, Jacob. Who you got? Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the Bills and the Patriots, mostly because I think that there's a lot of concern as to how the Bills are going to play this spot. And I think that that's justified. And, you know, maybe we'll see uh, maybe we'll see further concern come about based on the reporting that we see. But my, my intuition is that the Bills are going to play this full fright. Because even though they're likely not going to have a chance at a bye after Saturday, you know, Arrowhead is a horrible place to play a playoff football game. The Bills have seen their season end at Arrowhead twice, two seasons in a row. I just can't imagine that they're going to voluntarily go back to Arrowhead for three consecutive years in a massive playoff game when they have the choice to not do so. So to me, the idea that they would be taking any starters out of the game until the result is firmly in hand, which is basically what happens every week, is quite slim to me. And the Patriots have really not been a good pass defense at all this season. Uh, They've been absolutely eviscerated when they've played really high-level players. We saw Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins go crazy against them. We saw the Bengals go crazy against them in basically a half. And last week, they were missing three starting quarterbacks. They ended up playing a third-string quarterback who didn't do a whole lot because he's Skylar Thompson. But that really bailed them out, in my opinion. I think that we're going to see Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, who have historically destroyed the New England Patriots together uh, over the years, have quite a day. So I'm, I'm quite excited to play Josh Allen. I'm quite excited to play Stephon Diggs. Um, I don't think that you need to play uh, a third. I'd be definitely interested in adding James Cook into the mix, who they featured more against the Patriots than they have against any other opponent. Um, we'll see if that's something that they want to repeat or if that was just a one-game look. But 
that was something. And you can always fiddle around with, you know, Knox or Gabe Davis or whoever you want to really bet on catching a touchdown, essentially. But I, I do like this, this spot for the Bills in a spot where I think that there is concern about how much they're going to play. And I don't think it's very warranted. It would just really, really surprise me if after losing two consecutive years in Arrowhead, that's not something that factors into their head uh, mindset and that they end up just playing this game uh, to rest players. Trying to get my camera fixed over there. I'm like a blurry monster. I'm like a Yeti right now. Can't get a clear pic- picture. Sasquatch, whatever it is. I, I agree with you on pretty much everything you said over there. You know, I'd really like to play a little bit more James Cook than normal. Uh, outside of that, you know, Stefan Diggs is great. I think that the Patriots will try and take away the rushing opportunity from Josh Allen, something they haven't been very successful at, but that's the biggest threat that they have against their defense currently outside of Stefan Diggs. But at this point, this late in the season, Stefan Diggs has been struggling. I think that they opt to try and take away the rushing ability, which could end up leaving Josh Allen with more dump offs to the running back. I, I think that James Cook is an excellent sleeper caller, an excellent, you know, guy to sprinkle in a few lineups. And honestly, I could see him being played solo, right? Like I could see him being played outside of stacks in this game. You know, we have like Devin Singletary, who's interesting, but the Prague end up letting Devin Singletary rest to an extent and allowing the young rook to get in there and, and get his touches throughout the entire game. I think that if anybody has the smallest chance of seeing the bench, it's going to be James Cook. So James Cook for me is, is actually my favorite play is in this entire matchup. And the Pats are slow, right? Yeah. They're a slow they're very team slow. full of slow people and their fast people are injured. <laughs> so I just, I think that it makes sense as to why they tried to incorporate James Cook into the game plan last week. I, I think that that makes sense against this Patriots team. Um, and then I'd also say that I, Ramondre Stevenson is getting like no ownership this week. Uh, Cook Myers is going to get a lot. So I'm probably not super interested in playing a PPR spam wide receiver in ownership as my bring back. But if you're playing a lot of Buffalo, right, you're playing Buffalo to score points, which means Patriots are going to be from behind which means Damian Harris isn't going to play any snaps from behind. It's going to be entirely Ramondre Stevenson playing snaps from behind, regardless of Damian Harris' status. And, I mean, we had, we sat here before. We were like, oh, you can't play Ramondre in the mid-sixes when we don't know what his role is going to be with Damian Harris back. It's a downgrade. It's not being priced in. And he was going at, like, 25% ownership. And then he has, like, one bad week with Harris back. He doesn't really score any points in a game that they lead the whole time, which is actually not his script, right? For Ramondre, you want them actually in trail script. And then now he's not going to have any ownership. So I, I'm quite comfortable playing Ramondre this week, um, as opposed to a lot of the other guys in that 6K range. We're going to see a lot more ownership. We know he has a ton of pass catching upside. Uh, I think that the people are falling into a bit of recency bias here when the projection really hasn't changed a lot. And he's had plenty of ceiling in games with Damian Harris active this season. So I, I'm probably doing Allen, Diggs, and a little tough to do Ramondre and Cook, but I'm open to doing both of them. Um, and certainly I would include Ramondre as my preferred bring back if I'm doing Allen and two bills without cook, but I, I think you could play all, all, uh, all four. So this is a gross take. This is a very gross take Jacob, but okay. I'm actually interested a little bit, a little bit in Mac Jones because Mac Jones, mm-hmm. you know, is going to play the entire game. Right. And if the bills end up blowing the doors off early, we could end up seeing them in, in constant, you know, catch up mode where we're going to play Ramondre Stevenson with Mac Jones. And we're also going to throw in another one as receivers and the bills like to get pressure off the edge. They're very good at it. So, Jacob Myers is interesting for uh, for me. You know, Nelson Aguilar is is somewhat interesting for me. Like, I, I would like to take a couple of shots with some of these wide receivers and Mac Jones. I'm not going to say I'm going to dump my entire salary on it, but at least he has the entire game to play. He has a chance to be playing up against the backups, and he's probably going to accumulate stats in the first half on like some of these other guys who who have a chance to play the entire game and, and generate some yardage. So I do end up like liking Josh Allen. You know. 
just in case he does play the entire game. But at the same time, I could see myself like trying to play this game and trying to end up getting some shares of James Cook on the other side with Mac Jones, with Ramondre Stevenson, and with Jacoby Myers or Nelson Aguilar or somebody else along those lines. Yeah, I'm with that for sure. Um, um, I, I don't. It's tough to click Mac Jones. It is. But, um, it's so tough. It's so I'm tough. Little, he's so cheap. He's zero ownership. I mean, there's there's like some level of of hope where it's like I don't know the Bills get up by a lot, pull some starters. Mac, I don't know. He they've been letting it fly a little bit more recently with Mac Jones, and he's showed a little bit more of a ceiling. I I know this because um, my my FFP my best FFPC team in the shootout. We've had to start Mac Jones the last two weeks because we had Jalen Hurts and, and Mac was our only other quarterback. So we've been rolling with Mac, and, and he's been honestly serviceable. So. He has been, and, and this time last year was serviceable as well. But I mean, two consecutive weeks of of six, at least sixteen fantasy points. I know that's not great, but at five k, I mean, if he throws one more touchdown, two more touchdowns, like you're in big time money at that point. If he puts up additional or the similar stat lines, and if he's playing a second string defense in you know catch up mode, I could easily see that happening. So I do like Mac Jones, but my favorite game, I think, on the slate. And it wasn't at first. I thought it was interesting, right? And I wanted to look into it. And I, I texted that before the show, like, like one o'clock today. I was like, dude, I need to look into this show or look into this game a little bit more than what I have been. And that's the Cowboys and the Commanders, right? Because the Cowboys, there's a small chance. There's a slight chance that if the San Francisco 49ers somehow get beat by the Arizona Cardinals, that they could clinch uh, first place and they get a first round buy. But they could still, if the Eagles end up losing against the Giants, they could still end up getting the second overall seed instead of the fifth overall seed. So what's interesting for me is the amount of, of people that are out for Washington is tremendous, right? Like they're benching half their offensive line. So there's going to be no offensive line there. And if they had a little bit of an offensive line, I would be more inept to be like, oh yeah, let's, let's go ahead and roll this out. But I do like Sam Howe. Sam Howe for me. Oh, look, Derek Brown literally said it in the chat. I swear. Awesome. That's I'm not the rookie I like this week, but I'm, I'm open to it too. I love Sam Howe because Sam Howe can run, right? Like, in week one of the preseason, right? He ended up rushing for, he played half the game. Passing yards were great, but what I loved was the two rushing touchdowns because as soon as he ended up seeing, you know, red, right? As soon as he ended up seeing that touchdown line, he went for it on both occasions. So that's always strong. It reminds me of, of Ryan Tannehill, right? That reminds me of Daniel Jones, like Dak Prescott back two years ago, right? As soon as he saw that end zone, he was going for it every time. That's the same sort of thing that Sam Howell does. As soon as he sees a wide open gap, he doesn't try and make the play. He will go in, he will get hurt, and he will make that play and get that touchdown. Uh, the second game, he didn't do much. The third game, he ended up rushing for, what was it, 64 yards. I have my notes right here, 62 yards. Eight rushes, 62 yards. So if he sees a hole once again, he's out there. They were playing with a, a terrible backup offensive line, which is the same exact thing. And I understand it's preseason, right? And that's why I'm not talking as much about the passing yards. But... When he was able to run, he was he was able to get there. And with the offensive line being as hurt as they are, with with Micah Parsons pretty much having free land to the quarterback, we're going to see Sam Howe probably accumulate some rushing yards. Uh, I there's an over under on it. It's probably sitting around what twenty five rushing yards, twenty rushing yards. I would take the over on that all day. I'd probably take the over on fifty because I think that he's going to run a ton this week. The bigger thing, right, is the fact that he has a massive arm. So if there's an upside play for anybody it could be sam howe in the preseason 7.9 yards per attempt which is fourth among players with at least 50 dropbacks his 10.3 average depth of target was number three overall for anybody that had at least 50 dropbacks i once again know this is the preseason so why do i keep bringing up the preseason 
It's because Dallas is going to be playing with all their backups by the second half because half of the Washington defense is out. They're, they don't have anybody on defense. Dallas is going to go up early. I think you're pulling too many players from games. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I think you're pulling a lot of players from games this week. I'm not. I'm not. I'm telling you right now, like the, Washington's already announced that half their defense is going to be out. Half their Washington offense is going to be out. They don't have Brian Robinson. They don't have Antonio Gibson. He has a wide receiver, so you're going to have opportunities to pass. The The bigger thing for me is, like, why would Dallas end up rushing out if they're up by three touchdowns? Why would they end up trying to, to run out there with, with Dak Prescott, Tony Pollard, who's been hurt, CeeDee Lamb, who is a key cock to their defense, T.Y. Hilton, who is a, a weapon on offense but is old as shit and always gets hurt. Right, like they're not going to be. They're going to be running out there Are in the second gonna, half with Malik Davis and Cooper Rush and, and I'll do nobody. One nostal- I'll do one nostalgia cult stack in this game in like a fifty cent tournament. I'll play Jonathan Williams and T. Y. Hilton just to make myself feel something. Yeah, listen, I I get that that we are talking about them actually getting these touchdowns, right? And I'm okay playing Dak Prescott this week because I do think that he plays three quarters. But when it comes to the, to the fourth quarter of the game, there's no way that Dallas is playing their their starters. There's no but way he's they're only, playing Trey. Right, but he's only he's only sitting in the fourth quarter if they're if the game is out of reach. Yeah, right? which so I I, I think it score. is. I, I think it is to an extent, but with the rushing yardage that Sam Howe could get and keep you into the game, I think they could end up presenting an awesome opportunity for him to be sitting there at 15 fantasy points, 10 fantasy points, and having an opportunity to go out there and throw for an additional 150 yards in the fourth quarter and get an additional 50 yards rushing and two touchdowns in the air or on the ground. So at this point, I think that Sam Howe at least accumulates the the points, the fantasy points needed in order to keep it uh, in the game. And then by the fourth quarter, he's playing backups. We know what he can do against backups. 280 yards and a half is what he threw for in, in week three. Uh, when we talk about, uh, what was it, week one, 150 yards or something on those lines and a half. Like Sam Howe can do that literally at, on the snap of his fingers because he has this massive big arm and he attempts balls downfield. All it takes is one Jahan Dotson play for him to actually remain relevant and get a touchdown. Meanwhile, the score could be 28 to seven going into the third. So I do like Sam Howe. I think he's cheap enough to, to actually make it work for you. I think he's going to get the rushing yards and then you got to figure out who you want to play him with because the easy answer is John. Shouting out Tony Paul. Oh, well, Oh, on, on the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you got to do the rookie camp narrative. What, what are you, are you new here? Well, it's, it's not just the rookie camp narrative, because if I want to go Deami Brown, we could do the college shower narrative. So, I mean, like we talk about that connection. I mean, come on, dude. Like that that's the connection we want to roll with. But no, Jahan Dotson is also a, a necessary play in this role. Uh, meanwhile, Terry McLaurin, I mean, he's going to be the first read on probably what? 30 to 40% of their plays. He's going to be that first read and they're going to want him to get the ball out of his hands. So he doesn't take hits, but where it gets interesting for me is we have all these narratives. We have all these plays that make sense, but without half their offensive line, what about Curtis Samuel? They're going to leave Logan and Thomas in to block for a percentage of the plays. They're going to bring in, you know, one of their, their backup uh, tight ends to block on a lot of these plays to, to help with Micah Parsons. So the only release valve, the only guy that's going to be playing close to the line of scrimmage I don't care about Jarrett Patterson. I don't care about uh, what's his name, Williams. I, I feel like it's going to end up being uh, a Curtis Samuel volume game. And although it might not have a lot of yards with that, it could result in enough targets and enough receptions to get you over that that pay line and to give you, what, 18, 16 fantasy points if you can get in the end zone. I, I, I see you nodding yes. Going, but... I was not. I was nodding yeah. I was like, your math yeah, is correct. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I... I don't love Curtis Samuel, but at what time, like which route 
would you prefer to go? Would you prefer to go? Because you got to play double not stack. Curtis Samuel. Not, I'm not preferring to go Curtis Samuel. Okay. All right. John Dotson's a lot, right? My hope is that Sam Howell is going to chuck it yard. And I don't want to play the little dude who runs three-yard drag routes. Right? Well, my concern is that the, he's not going to have enough time to pass. And they're going to have him use his relief valve on multiple occasions. They put a QB spy out there to make sure right. that he's they not rushing. John Williams, I guess. I, I mean, I think if we're stacking the game, then then we may as well incorporate the free square within that when he's the guy who plays passing downs anyway is actually is probably my take. He only saw five targets last week with three receptions and got three yards with it. Like, he's not efficient so enough to do anything. We're out of huh? five targets? I mean, five targets is okay, but that's not $4, winning. $4,300. The free square over here is Sam Howell, okay? Yeah, but I'm saying if we want to do the whole – like, Sam Howell is probably not going to be particularly owned. Uh, Jonathan Williams will be. Um, I guess – my, my concern would, I mean, look, you can leverage Jonathan Williams for sure. If you're playing the Sam Howell, Dotson, McLaurin, like you could double it and you have more than enough money to do that. I think Dotson's the one I'd go to first because he is the downfield option. Yes. He's come on at late, of late. He's clearly a red zone option for them. Um, and then, you know, I think I would either just double it and play Dotson and McLaurin and Howell, or I would incorporate the chalk into my lineup with Jonathan Williams. He's $4,300. And, you know, if the game shoots out, everybody has Jonathan Williams, but you get more benefit out of it. Um, I, I mean, I think I'm good with it either way. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to play Jonathan Williams at all this week. I just think that the Cowboys can end up shutting it down and he's not going to see a bunch of opportunity. Yeah, I, I definitely am going to play Jahan Dotson. I think my decision here is between uh, Terry McLaurin and then Curtis Samuel. And then I also want to mix in a little bit of Deami Brown, just like a sprinkle from time to time, just to see if he gets in the game and they have this college narrative just for the hell of it. But uh, the other guy that I want to go with on Dallas, if they're like, I think that CD Lamb will see enough volume early. I think that he's going to be playing for the majority of the game. I think he can end up finishing with two touchdowns. I love that concept. Uh, I love Noah Brown because I think he plays the entire game, no matter what, and could easily be the wide receiver one uh, for this team by halfway through the third quarter. If they won't decide to, to bring CD Lamb out. Uh, I think that, I love T.Y. Hilton for the playoffs. And in all my best ball leagues, I'm drafting a ton of T.Y. Hilton just because he could go off on any week. But in terms of like being a guy that I want to play this week, I think they're going to end up sitting him and, and leaving him yeah, on the I mean, bench with 10 rounds max. Limit, right. I mean, that's that's yeah. a guy you want. To, I think they wanted to get a look at, at how he would fit in. It turns out well. Um, says a lot about Michael Gallup, by the way, that uh, yeah. 37-year-old T.Y. Hilton is just immediately better than him. Um, that's a tough scene. For sure. I think Gallup should be so emasculated he gives the 13 over personally. Dude, I, I, I can't even say anything about that. But I, I do think that Michael Gallup is actually a play this week. He'll be out there. He's always out there. Yeah. yeah. But the problem with Michael Gallup is like pre-ACL Gallup had like two, had like three things he could do that had appeal, right? He could do the end zone fade. He could do the like 10-yard comeback route on third and medium. And then he could also run deep routes. And now he doesn't run any deep routes. So he's basically like, he's basically just, you're hoping for two end zone fades is essentially what you're hoping for. I think Michael Gallup, like he's just, he's been used in such a bizarre way, mostly it because is. I just don't think he has any athleticism right now. Like I'm not like, I'm not trying to make fun of the gimpy, the injured, the broken, but I just don't think he's like where he needs to be because he tore his ACL like last week of last year. He's now one year recovery and he's just, I think he's just kind of a shell of himself. I, Derek has been hammering the Pollard. Yeah, I see that, I mean, and I was about to talk about that. We haven't discussed him. Um, it's interesting. I mean, he's not going to be owned because he's overpriced. Um, I'm. I, th I think that it kind of depends. Almost like, do you think how much scoreboard watching do you think Dallas is going to be doing this game? Right? Like, if oh, I feel like there. That's what I'm saying. I, I think like it's if going they, to they peak, and they're like, "Oh, Philly's up," you know, by a million. 
then, then it's going to be a lot of Malik Davis, I'm thinking. Uh, but if it's an important game and, and Philly is, is actually in a competitive spot with the Giants, which they probably won't be. But on the off chance that that's the case, you know, Pollard has a massive ceiling. And Pollard, you know, like I was saying with um, – I forget who I was saying this about before, but, you know, look at Travis Etienne last week, right? When you're playing explosive players, sometimes they can get there in our right? Travis Etienne had, what, uh, 12 touches last week? Turned into 26 DraftKings points, right? And if he doesn't wave himself off the field at the five-yard line – Yeah. Not that I was tilted about that uh, – <laughs> In the first quarter, he would have 32 DraftKings points. So Pollard is, is easily that kind of guy where, you know, he could do it in the first quarter. And like you said, Washington's defense is bad. Um, you know, Pollard is uncoverable uh, when they use him out of the backfield, and he's going to be against uh, a far inferior opponent. So he could get there quick. So the big thing for me, right, is Jonathan Allen is out for this game. And Jonathan Allen is the run stuffer over there for Washington. He's the guy that's, that's able to penetrate and force the disruption. They're going to have, uh, of course, Chase Young is going to be there. Montez Sweat is going to be there. These are more outside rush guys. Uh, and then Cam Curl, who is actually the best run defense player over there because he plays up in the box. Uh, he is going to likely be out if he's not ruled out already. I think the dude's already reports of him being out. So they have their two best run stoppers on defense over there out. Meanwhile, Jamin Davis is questionable. I mean, like literally their half their defense is going to be out this week. So this is going to open up a lot of rushing opportunities. And what we have seen from Dallas is although Ezekiel has been wildly inefficient, they're still using him a lot and they're using him a lot at the goal line. I mean, just going through his stuff, I was laughing because I'm like, okay, one, two, Has, three, hasn't like his four, last eight five. touchdowns been one yard? I mean, he has like 11 games or 11 touchdowns in the past like eight games or something. Yeah, like and, that. and eight of them are one yard. Yeah, so they're using them, right? They're using them in the red zone and they're they're using them like throughout the game. Like he's still seen 16 carries, 19 carries, and he's averaging two yards per carry. So I still think that Zeke up against a really bad run defense with none of their starters in is actually going to be my play in this one over Pollard. I think that that he could provide you with one, maybe two touchdowns. Pollard's dealing with some injuries. I all right, I, that's I it for me. I'm done today. I'm a good rest. Yeah, of I know, show. right? Because you hate Pollard so much. I mean, <laughs> Zeke so much. Wait, this this show, we do not say I'm playing Zeke over Paul. Actually, I think I said that like three or four weeks. You ago. did. You did. You actually called it. Yes. But it and makes right. me mad when you do it. Yeah, so it, it really just depends. It really just depends for me as to uh, how I'm approaching these games. And I'm not going to play Zeke, Zeke by himself. Jamal Williams at this point, right? Like that's he's exactly Jamal Williams, he's except Jamal for he only gets two Williams. touchdowns and not three. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that if they end up going up, they're going to they're going to take Pollard out and they're going to play Zeke. And I don't think Zeke comes out. So Malik Davis will play, but so will Zeke. Yeah, I mean they were playing Zeke like if they're playing Zeke so much in the Tennessee game and so late in the Tennessee game that it makes me want to pick Pollard more in playoff best ball tournaments. You know, like it was like the fourth quarter and they were up two touchdowns and they were still feeding Zeke. And I was like, what are we doing here? Like Pollard made up some phantom injury to not play this week. And Zeke's out here getting carries with three minutes left up 14. I'm like, that's like, we don't need to, like, it was almost like Kellen Moore was like, look, man, we can't bench Zeke, but if he like sprains an ankle or something, wouldn't be the worst. <laughs> like, that, was, like, that was almost the vibe that I was getting. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I, 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 like I said, I, I don't hate Pollard this week, but at the same time, I think I, I'd rather take the option with Zeke, um, just yeah. with the, the game corollary. Well, he's usually a big Zeke fan. Fair. Yeah. Who is it? I'm not a big Zeke fan. You are. You love Zeke. All right. We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about a running back, uh, and a game, uh, two running backs actually in this game. I believe that the Derek. Oh, I also love Dalton Schultz, adores. by the way. I forgot to mention that. Go ahead. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, we got the Rams and the Seahawks. And this is another spot where you're going to have two super motivated teams, Seahawks, for very obvious reasons, in that they need to win this game to have a chance of making the playoffs. And the night—I mean, the nice thing for DFS purposes is that there is no risk of any scoreboard watching since uh, that game got the Lions and Packers game got unfairly moved to Sunday night. God, but either so way, bad. the Seahawks won't know anything, so they will be obviously fully motivated all the way to the end. And the Rams, I mean, they've been playing free. They've been playing motivated. Kind of a similar spot to what we were talking about with the Saints and, and the Panthers. You know, they don't have their pick, so they don't give a shit in terms of trying to win. They're not holding anything back. And you got a lot of players playing for jobs, right? Cam Akers is playing to prove a point that he deserves to be their lead guy next year. Baker Mayfield is proving that he's an NFL quarterback. Uh, Tutu Atwell is, is playing to to – to set an example for other four foot tall wide receivers in the, in the world, uh, you know, it's, it's inspirational really. Uh, so I think, uh, I think this is a game that's certainly gonna be interesting. And the Rams offense has looked considerably better lately. I mean, the main thing is, I don't know what they've been doing with their offensive line, but like early in the season, their offense just could not function like their offense, the run game couldn't get going. The pass game couldn't get going. All their offensive linemen, to my knowledge, are mostly still injured, so I don't really know what they've done. But it seems as though their offensive line has sorted itself out to at least be decent enough. And we also saw that this team, you know, even with John Wolford, uh, was able to actually stay in a competitive game with the Seattle Seahawks in their last contest. So I think this will be fun. And Sean McVay also, uh, historically, has just roasted the Seahawks defense alive. He owns Pete Carroll. So I think he's going to get guys into favorable positions. It's going to be a matter of whether Baker can hit the open guys, but he's been doing that lately. Cam Akers has been running well lately. And, and more importantly for DFS is that they've been trusting Cam Akers more in passing situations as well. So even when he first got the lead back role again, he was entirely game script dependent. He's really not anymore. He just plays all the snaps. Uh, Malcolm Brown kind of pitches in really just on like third and long situations and occasionally vultures touchdown like he did last week but for the most part it's really just the cam show i, I think for sure um i uh, derek's talking about an, an ancillary stacking with walker acres metcalf and higby i think you could totally do that i also think you can absolutely play the geno smith double sack uh you know and come back with cam acres in that spot too which is probably i think the guy i want to use where you're really playing for the rams to be up from ahead early acres of course favorable in that script and then the Seahawks have to start coming back from behind you play Gino you play uh, DK you play Lockett I, I'm excited to play this game yeah this game is uh, it, it was one of my favorite games to go into and, and this was one I actually wanted to talk about before I started diving into the Cowboys and, and Washington game I love like multiple different ways to approach this game like not just one like I, I love approaching it as a thought that it could end up just being uh, a defensive battle which I don't see happening but it's very possible that the Seahawks go up you have to play Kenneth Walker you play the Seahawks defense hope for Baker Mayfield to turn the ball over and the Seahawks to stop cam makers in the middle I love playing the two running backs in this game I, I love doing a, a Geno stack in this game there's just so many different avenues that you could go with this one so when it comes to the majority of my my stacked games, like this game is going to have the majority of my ownership. It's just like, how am I going to approach it? So like, I'll have like, you know, 15% of my, my lineups on the, the Cowboys and commanders. I'll have 15% of my, my lineups on the Browns and, and Steelers for this game. I can end up having 30%, but I'm not going to have any player that's significantly owned more than any other player outside of maybe like cam Akers will, will be in a quite a few lineups. So I, I just love the different areas that you could actually attack in this game. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah. Um, I will quickly say, first off, Derek's talking about um, if Lockett is out. 
And yeah, if Lockett's out, then I would not be as interested in stacking this game, mostly because it, it really makes the Seahawks offense just significantly worse to lose one of those two top wide receivers. I, I think Lockett will play just on the basis of him being an absolute like legend of a warrior who tends to play even when he's severely injured. I'm not as maybe interested in playing him as I would be DK, but I'm, I'm just more interested in playing the game as a whole. If Lockett is at least out there contributing, drawing defensive coverage, and in such a massively important game, it's just, I don't know, really hard for me to believe that he sits. Um, I like this game for sure, um, really from all the angles we discussed. I would say that if Lockett is out, or if you want to play it like Lockett is playing, but is limited, then you know Noah Fant ends up being the guy that, that I'm mostly going to look at as the secondary for any Geno stacks. Um, I will also say this. We have talked about many ways to play this slate in all sorts of different combinations, many different games, many different options. And if you also love options, what you will probably love is rival fantasy. If you're tired of having to play fantasy sports across all these different platforms that can only do one thing that you have to log in and out of, you're going to want to have all of that in one place with all of your options at your disposal all the time. And you can do that with rival fantasy. RivalFantasy.com is the only fantasy sports platform with three unique game styles, including challenges, fantasy book, fantasy bingo, and they're going to be adding season-long fantasy starting in 2023, which, as we know, the 2023 fantasy season is essentially on now uh, across your leagues. And, and so we're going to want to make sure, check out Rival Fantasy. Are we going to try and build a lineup here? Oh, we are going to build a lineup. Are you ready to do, do it? it? I'm ready to build a lineup. We, we got 10 minutes, so we actually got a decent amount of time compared to what we've done in Love the past. It. Uh, you know, not bad, not bad timing. Derek, you want to help us out, man? Let us know which stack you would like to build off of. I personally want to do the same how one, man. Like, I really want to do the same how one. Yeah, I think it, sure. it offers a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and do this. The same how build. I just look. I, I would. I would. I'd be reticent to say this because we didn't talk about this game at all. But the other, the other rookie quarterback that I like in this spot, uh, and we won't build a lineup with it. But I'm pretty interested in playing Desmond Ritter this week. He is literally only target straight. Can, so, can we not talk about Desmond Ritter? He screwed me over in, in basketball. I finished seventh, mm -hmm. and it's because he finished with 5.55 points. Uh, if he would have gotten me 10 more, I would have gotten first place. I just needed a touchdown and, like, you know, a tough. few more rushing yards. Yeah. Okay, here, here's my 30-second pitch, though. Um, look, I, I like Ritter this week. He has played reasonably well the last two weeks. He hasn't scored touchdowns, but he's actually played reasonably well, especially for rookie quarterback. Tampa is going to be resting everybody. So um, I think that you're going to have uh, a lot of opportunities for Atlanta to, uh, to play offense. And, you know, this is essentially the last week that they have to evaluate Desmond Ritter before the offseason. So especially with a lot of ownership going to be on Tyler Algier fairly, um, I think that, you know, uh, Ritter would, would be an interesting option to, to pivot off of that. Um, all right. I like Hal Dotson. That's a good start. Uh Look, Derek's been with us for an entire show. Can we at least play Pollard for him? I mean, I feel like yeah, we we'll we'll play Pollard for him. We owe there it to him. Go. Now, uh, Terry McLaurin, Deami Brown. <laughs> if we play Deami Brown, you realize what kind of lineup? Wait, we we're playing Deami. Why would we play Deami Brown? I'm, I'm just saying we don't have to play Deami Brown. But if we did play Deami <laughs> Brown, do you want to have like how much money we would have to spend for the rest of our lineup? Yeah, just millions of dollars. Like it, it would, dollars. we would be able to play every stud from every lineup, but. I, I will play. I'll, I'll play Terry McLaurin. I think we got to double stack this, right? All right, let's do this. Let's do it. Let's double stack it. All right, not Deami Brown, though, right? <laughs> We're not double stacking with Deami Brown. Although, I, I would love for a Deami Brown uh, low up spot I, here. I, I know. What happened 
for you, like being in love with Deami Brown. Like, well, look, if you wanted, ago, if you you wanted to tell it. me that Deami Brown was going to run 30 routes, if you wanted to tell me that Deami Brown was going to run 18 routes in this game, 100% <laughs> exposure. I love how you ended up adjusting that from 30 to 18. That was incredible. Fine, 10. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Let's go ahead and, and let's hop on to a defense real quick, just as a placeholder. Um, let's see, let's uh, see. I don't give a shit what you click. So pick pick anything that warms your heart. Oh god, I hate all of these for real. Um, let's go uh, Chargers at Denver for now, and we'll figure it out after. But that, that's the a Chargers point. backups. We're playing the Chargers backups. No, we don't know if the Chargers get. It just depends on who Broncos. ends up winning. Okay, you're playing the Broncos. Dude. Yeah, but it also it depends on who uh, who's winning yeah, for the I'll, Ravens game, so I'll we can quickly, pivot off that. Yeah, we didn't talk about that, but I will quickly say that in the very unlikely event that the Tyler Huntley-led Ravens beat the Bengals, then Justin Herbert late swaps are, like, mandatory, right? I mean, that's that's something you want to leave open because he's going to not have really much ownership. It's going to be a fun game environment probably. Um, Denver's defense has fallen off a cliff. So I, I think that's something you want to have at your disposal. Um, all right. So are we pick, are we picking a running back? What's what's the plan here? We're, we're picking any running back? Uh, we pretty much could at this point. I mean, I like Nick Chubb at this position. I think that Christian McCaffrey could still get you there, but I just don't think he plays the entire game. He doesn't have an injury designation, according to DraftKings. Uh, I think that Saquon Barkley is extremely interesting, but he's likely to get benched, not to the field, right? Yeah, I'm not interested in that. Okay. Um, yeah, my. I mean, I like I like Cam Akers this week, and I think um, I like Cam Ooh. Akers this week. I like Joe Mixon. Najee, I like I like Najee. He's going to be super owned, but that's fine with me. I like Najee. If we do Najee, I'd want to bring him back with Njoku uh, or People's Jones. Let, let's do Njoku um, because I don't think that Sam Howell is going to see chalk. Like I don't think we're going to see anybody with a Sam Howell, Tony Pollard, Najee Harris. Not, 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 not yeah, it was re- yeah, really only Najee's the guy that's eating up. So we can do whatever. We still have seventy six hundred per spot. <laughs> I want to I want to play Stephon Diggs this week. That's that's like one of my. That's that's the guy really? we want this week. Okay. If we have right. the money for it, and we we do have the money uh, yeah, for it, we got plenty of money to play with. Uh, meanwhile, we have one spot left, and honestly, I don't really know who I would like to play. I mean, we have Ronzi Stevenson is interesting. DK Metcalf is interesting, and well, I like Metcalf with Acres uh, with a yeah. Well, we didn't play Acres. We played Najee. Oh, well, that's fine. I like Metcalf regardless. That's fine. Yeah, I mean that could be a solo play. Yeah, I don't want to solo doloing. I, I'm not on the page. What is what is Debro Debro saying for the last spot? He's saying uh, he he named several running backs, none of which have cracked the four six. Uh, oh no, Walker has. Never mind. He said Najee, Algier, Walker, Acres, Moss, Foreman, um, as guys that he likes, and and he said that he loves Diggs. But all right, what Walker? I'm fine with Walker too. I mean, we have we have ownership and salary to spare. So realistically, any player who fills your heart. Um, I'm down with in the slot. And then mm. you can adjust the defense as you like afterward. I DK or, or Walker? I'm going to let you pick. DK or Walker? Um, DK is going to be less owned, and I think that the projection kind of either way. So I'll, I'll take DK. All right. We'll roll with DK then. All right. That leaves us with 600. You want to change the defense? And we got 3,100 here. We can we can take a premium defense. Ooh, we could. This is the first time ever who's, on who's the show. Who's up here at 31? We can play the uh, I mean, we can play the Colts good. defense. <laughs> um, uh, that's actually interesting. That's really I like interesting. that actually. I mean, Houston's a uh, a bit of a mess. They, they're gonna try and lose this game, and 
I mean, Jeff's, they're not sitting anybody in, in Indy because it's Jeff Saturday, at least not on defense. Their offense is going to be atrocious. Uh, I'm fine with the Dolphins' defense against Joe Flacco at a game that they really need to win. I mean, Joe Flacco can't move. He's in a mobile statue. Hmm. I, I didn't get to talk about it. I actually like Elijah Moore. We can play the Minnesota defense against uh, uh, Nathan Peterman, although they're going to be 31% owned. So this is probably like the only type of lineup where I would even consider it is because we don't have any ownership in this lineup. I think Minnesota is the route we got to go on this one against Nathan Peterman. Hopefully this, this will be the only Minnesota defense lineup I play, mostly just because I think they're going to be so ridiculously owned. But um, yeah, and we, we really only have one guy with, with ownership. So I'm fine. Yeah. I, see, yeah, I like it. Well, Derek brought up Najee Harris with Pitt for, uh, Pittsburgh, but I actually like Najee because I think that they're going to be down in this game and they're going to have to pass. I think that they're going to be forced to pass the ball, and I think he's going to be a target in this game. Um, yeah, I, I I like this lineup. I, I think that this is a fun one to go out on, Jacob. So right. let's go ahead and let's enter this lineup into existence. Let's do it. And then let's go with our locks of the week. So, so Jacob... I got a little risky, right, with with my locks of the week in two consecutive weeks. I ended up going with some bizarre ones. I think it was with Elijah Moore one week, and then I went with somebody else in another. Yeah, I'm also uh, going back to basics this week. I I hit last week. I think I said DeAndre Swift last week for my lock, if I remember correctly. Whoever it was, I don't remember who it was, but but it ended up hitting. This week, I'm going to go with a guy that we've already discussed, we've already talked about. It's a pretty simple play. He, he's going to be somewhat chalky. I, I don't think he's going to be as owned as as you said, uh, but I do think he will see ownership. And that's going to be Najee Harris. Is that enough? Is that enough for, for... You can go with Najee Harris. I mean, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, but is that risky enough? I, I feel It's not kinda... risky enough. It's like one of the highest projecting running backs. Um, it's not risky. You don't have to be risky. You can do you can do anything you like. I, can I know. I would like, but I, I, I want to go out on a bet. I mean, we still got playoff DFS, but yeah, for we regular two season. More weeks. We got two more weeks of this. Oh, my God. All right. I'm going to go with a different one. All right. Call it an auto. Omaha. Omaha. Alave. Is Alave Alave's playing, right? He's playing. I didn't prepare this this speech, but clearly it's always good when you say you're when you ask if your lock of the week is playing. That's that's <laughs> confidence. I, I loved Alave. I just I ended up not diving into the to the matchup because I didn't love the actual matchup itself, but I actually love Chris Alave as a play. I, I just didn't have time to to dive, to do a deep dive into this matchup to see if I actually wanted to play this game because I think it's gonna be low scoring. But if there is anybody in between these two guys who's going to see a ton of volume. It's going to be Alave, who's a second-year player. He's been hurt for uh, part of the year. He, he's coming in strong. He's got something to prove. Like you said, Dennis Allen is playing for his job or coaching for his job. Uh, Chris Alave isn't playing for his job, but he is playing to be the rookie of the year, at least the offensive rookie of the year, I believe. So he does have something to go out there and prove. I think that he's going to go out there and prove that. I think that he's over 12 targets this week. And I think that he catches at least eight of them. High premium targets. I'm going to go with Alave. I literally can't believe that this is a phrase that I'm using in the year 2023 or any year really. But uh, possible leverage off Rashid Shahid. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? God, man, yeah. he's screwed up a lot of things lately. <laughs> but hey, Dario, Dario actually called Rashid Shahid on his no. breakout week. Like on his oh, week that he awesome. broke out. Uh, he called it up against the the Chiefs. He's like Shahid's that dude. He's gonna catch that touchdown this week, and he called it when I was in uh when I was in California and my my Wi-Fi was shit. I love that. All right, um, I'm gonna go with I've, I've talked about this guy plenty, but I think that if we took out all of the possible concerns, you know, about what players may get rested when, this is one of the best plays of the week, and it's an especially great play of the week because there's so much opportunity to spend down at several positions. We just did a, a, a team with Sam Howell. 
You talked about Jonathan Williams at 4,300 being a potential workhorse running back. There's going to be guys like Rashid Jaheed. There's going to be plenty of guys to spend down because nobody's playing this week. There's going to be lots of opportunities. That makes you want to spend up for a guy who's not going to be super owned because people don't exactly know where the script's going to go. Give me Stefan Diggs, who has owned the New England Patriots since the entire time that he's gotten to Buffalo in a game where Buffalo, in my opinion, is going to be quite motivated, at least until the game is entirely out of hand. And I don't think it'll get super, super out of hand because the Patriots, of course, are as motivated as any team in the NFL. It's a win and in spot for them. They're only going to be limited by how crappy they are. And one of the ways that they're crappy is that their entire secondary is going to be out or playing hurt. Give me Steph Diggs this week uh, in, uh, in Buffalo.